Uh, good day, everyone. It's Cliff Hill Sanders here from Voyager Metals, President, CEO, and Director, here to talk to you about the Montsorcier Iron and Vanadium project that we have located outside of Shibugamu, Quebec. Uh, as will be highlighted, you know, we recently completed a PEA, which underscores a very robust MPV of 1.6 billion. So I hope to educate you on what the project has and why the merits of having a look at it. Love and education. So this should be a good session. Hey, so um, Cliff, thanks for coming on the show. First time we've met, spoken, etc. until a few moments ago. Um, can you sort of kick us off and give us a little bit about your background, please? Sure. My background is I spent about 22 years as a sell-side analyst on Bay Street at uh, the variety of the big banks. Switched over to the corporate world in 2016. Been working with our executive chairman, Mark Brennan, on a variety of different uh, uh, vehicles at this time. So this is our third one uh, that we brought forward. So Fairly, uh, fairly busy, fairly successful at this point in time in getting these projects to fruition. Okay, yeah, and if, if I look at the the marketing material, yeah, you guys are, you know, you, you're dropping a few blue chip names in there um, of projects that the team has kind of collectively been responsible for, uh, in, in some way, shape, or form. You know, from from Largo, Champion Iron, um, DSM, uh, to name but a few. Um, given the size of your company, 18 million market cap company yeah. uh with the kind of numbers you're indicating in the pa which we'll get to um you gotta have a plan i and i'm just wondering are there any lessons from the past which are going to be bringing through to allow you to kind of help this company grow i, I guess there's a few things you can you focus in on there the team from largo uh went all the way through from very early stage uh, exploration all the way through to construction and production that's a, a very long drawn out process as any any development process is but we have the team that has ridden that whole uh, process out. If you look at Largo, it's actually the Monsorcy project in reverse. It's a, a low-grade iron deposit with lots of vanadium, whereas we have a high-grade iron deposit uh, with limited vanadium, but a, a good credit. So the, the actual process and involvement there is the same. Uh, the gentleman that we have brought over from uh, Champion and Consolidated Thompson, these guys have 30 to 40 years experience within the Quebec iron ore business. They don't really need to be involved with our project unless they thought it had significant legs and growth and had the potential to be Canada's next iron ore mine. Right. Okay. And, and so what, what is everyone doing? Because attaching names to projects is easy. Who's, add, who's really adding value? Uh, the key people in Quebec, uh, sorry, let me go from the top down. Obviously, Mark uh, is an executive chairman with the, the significant contacts of his 30 plus years on the company building side. He's been a serial entrepreneur in various mining companies. Hubert Valet runs our Quebec project development team directly. He's ex Consolidated Thompson. He is one of the first 10 people in Consolidated Thompson. They push the, the development and construction of Bloom Lake. He's brought a few of his associates along to support the team in Quebec directly. Uh, a lot of the other guys are on either the advisory committee or on the board to provide in input at this point in time without being a significant cost burden to the company. Right. Okay. And um, again, I come back to that. small. This is the thing that people are looking at, right? Small company with small company problems with big opportunities. So um, some big names, big names of individuals who've been involved in some big, big projects in the past. And I'm intrigued to see how they help you move this and think, get this thing financed. But that's a big overhead, isn't it? Because you haven't raised money since what, middle of last year? Middle of last year, between uh, we did a, a modest private placement using Quebec Charity Flow Through. We also raised $3.9 million. A Canadian venture for 18 months. And really that's within the light of the, the market conditions at the time. We don't think our, our valuation is appropriate, especially when you look at our peers in Australia, primarily Australian for junior iron ore stories. Unfortunately, in the Canadian market, it is an educational process to get to the junior end of the iron ore space. A lot of misconception that it's for a, a big company pro process. It's actually a very straightforward mine. It's very simple. So from that angle, uh, you know, our funding right now, we have the support of Blencore with what we have, a funding support arrangement, I guess, would be 
not their money directly. They're introducing us to various people and we're looking to secure some funding packages with them to bring us to the feasibility completion. Look, I, I, I guess the um, at the end of the day, it, it, it's what happens at the end of the day that, 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 that yeah. matters, but they're kind of churning on the way there. It can, can be confusing and uh, certainly, certainly for retail investors, perhaps, um, you know, quest, question decision-making, right? So, you know, like the debenture, why go for a debenture? Why not standard equity raise? Well, it was a very, it's a, a friendly investor, shall we say. So they, they were very supportive. It was, a, again, at that point in time, less dilutive from our perspective, as we continued our discussions uh, and introductions from the, with the support of Glencore. So it was a, a bit of a bridge to gap that that process. Like right now, we're, we're looking to, finalize the funding package to complete the feasibility study. If the numbers are anything like what the PEA is suggesting at that point in time, we would expect groups like Investment Quebec, some other large Quebec institutions, and the market in general to be much more supportive. Right, so this means just by the end, right? Is that, is that, yeah. That's what you're saying. Like, we, we, we interview a lot of Quebec was companies and yeah, a very supportive uh, province in terms of uh, not just um, debt funding, but also on the equity side. So I guess it, it It'll be fine and fine in the end. But did you kind of did you find? I mean, so the, the stock kind of came off uh, off the back of those sort of announcements last year about the type of funding. Would, uh, I, would would you say that would you put it down to that, or would you say something else? I would have said the biggest thing that you know kind of fell off there. The junior market in, in general was quite weak. Iron ore prices had a significant pullback, even though it has no bearing on our current development program. You know, we're, we won't be in production until about 26, 27 at best, given the process that's involved. So we have a, quite a, a window there. Uh, we don't need the, the peak iron ore prices we saw. That's not required for this project. We'd be more than happy with today's prices, but obviously in the eyes of the market, people like uh, high prices as opposed to a pricing decline. Right, okay. And so you ex explain to me about the claim correlation. So it's not their money, but they're making the right sorts of introductions and it's, it's a nice name to have on a press release, but what, what does that actually mean for a company of your size or, or your stage to have them involved? I guess there's two things. First, they want the offtake agreement. So they want the product that gives us a lot of credibility. The product has no issues in the market. They're also the world's biggest trader of vanadium. So if anyone's going to get us the vanadium credit, uh, because we have a profit sharing arrangement for prices in and above, the 65% iron ore index. Unfortunately, I can't show you that price because it's not a traded uh, market. It's very, very focused. But 52% of the world's vanadium is produced from mines just like this around the world. So you can go to China, you can go to Europe, you can go to the Middle East. But obviously having Glencore there gives that the immediate product quality stamp of approval. And then obviously their ability to introduce us to a very wide spectrum of potential funding players. They could be strategic investors, they could be financial investors. Uh, it's quite a wide audience. Okay, so that, that's on the vanadium side. In terms of iron, iron ore, um, are they ex have, you, have they got expectations of you? Uh, no, they want the offtake of the iron ore. It's a single product we would be selling. Iron ore concentrate, which contains 65% uh, magnetite and 0.52% V2O5, which is sufficient enough to make it economic to recover. You actually recover it in the steel glass furnace. Right, and so how, and and what's the course of trade off for you when you're having discussions with people like Glencore, who've got a reputation for being like pretty pretty good negotiators, hard negotiators, and when you're starting from a position like yours, you know you're you're not in control of that in in, in some ways. So how do you maintain or de defend your position? Well, that's why we haven't gone into Glencore and said, why don't you invest? Come take 30 percent of the company. That's not what we wanted. We wanted them to have the offtake, and in return for that, introduce us to more passive investors, supportive investors, long-term investors who are looking to build the company, looking for the actual product itself as opposed to just the trading vehicle. So 
Uh, it was using them as a marketing tool to a certain degree, uh, but also the credibility of the product. Right. So they there have they have they got any other optionality in there as, as a result of this, or you, you've managed to keep them sort of arm's length, except for the potential future offtake. The the contract itself is arm's length, industry standard. The initial contract would be for an eight year term of offtake if they supply sufficient capital or a significant amount of capital on terms we agree to for construction. Then they could have a life of mine. Right. So, can you just explain that? Explain that for people, because there's, you know, there's all sorts of agreements out there. Some, some binding, some, some not. Um, some short term, some longer term. So, again, how did you construct it to benefit your shareholders? Well, we're working together in tandem. Technically, you could argue that the the term has expired, but we are working with the as the discussions can remain ongoing, and it's really just getting to the, the brass tacks of an agreement that we all agree to. Right. Okay. So our focus is right now to minimize dilution because we don't have that valuation. Uh, uh, right. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. You don't have the valuation in the sense that. What do you well, mean? if we look at our peers, you know, we and the value that is implied for this PEA, the typical valuation. Correct me if I'm wrong from your point of view. You know, 0.1 times MPV would not be a stretch, which would suggest we should have a market cap. Close to 150 to 200 million Canadian. Right. Okay. Fine. Understood. But I guess you're getting that kind of discount because uh, the people are going to ask me a question, which hopefully you're going to answer now, which is how does an 18, 20 million dollar company finance something which requires 574 million bucks worth of initial capex? Yeah, I guess there's first, as I said, we'll conclude some sort of arrangement and get the funding sufficient to get us to feasibility. And I think that's where we daylight the value. After that point, and the timeline to development is clear because that's when you submit all your permits and applications to the Quebec and federal governments. That's when people get excited because now they know when they can be in production, when cash flow can start commencing. And I think, with again, with the numbers that we've presented there at reasonable long-term prices, getting 7 to 80% debt you know, with Investment in Quebec, the government behind you, you're not looking at a really big equity ask at the end of the day. Right. Okay. And just to want to get the um, vocabulary right. So you're talking about feasibility. Are you talking about pre-feasibility or are we skipping to no, feasibility? Hopefully. Right. Okay. Given the, given the numbers were so strong at the PEA level and the project itself is extremely straightforward. Their infrastructure is all in place, in place, excuse me, the railways, the ports, the roads. We don't have to do, worry about any of that. So our focus is solely on the mine. And iron ore mining, to be honest, is probably the easiest mining you can do. It's big. It is a large scale, big trucks, big equipment. But there's no chemicals involved. It's just big magnetic separation. It's actually very clean, right? From that point of view. Okay. And you and you're talking about the, obviously your open pit. You're talking about so you, and, and right. I think you mentioned several places they kind of like low, low low cost, long life of mine, etc. So you think this is obviously going to be quite quite attractive to investors in the sense that they agree with you. It should be simple mining, and therefore they will allow you to kind of skip a couple of processes here and, and get yeah, to the end point. The, the real issue for the iron ore business is understanding the metallurgy of the iron product itself. We have no noticeable deleterious elements, whether it's phosphorus, aluminum, silica, they're all within the, the normal index ranges. So again, very clean product. It's a very homogeneous deposit. It's, it's about 4.1 kilometers long by about 200 meters wide. That's a very simple process to mine in, in, a, in a large scale open pit. The current PEA was only using roughly 40% of our known resources. So that out, outlined a 21-year mine life. Clearly, we could, we could expand that and double it to a 40-plus-year mine life based on the resources we have today. Right. Okay. And, you're, and the expectation of you and your team is to, to what, get it into production stage and flip it or flip it after feasibility? Well, we're, we're mine builders as a group, so we'll do what's best for shareholders. And if, you know, if it's 
an appropriate opportunity, we'll do what, what's, what's best. Right. Okay. But your, your mind builders, this, so the sense is that you, you want to get this into production. And is it a case of then? Well, I'm just trying to understand the ambition here, right? So obviously getting, getting something into production is hard. Making yeah. discovery is hard, you know, but getting something into production and economic uh, production of that is, is hard. What's the ambition for you guys? Is there more to be done? I think the ambition is this could be used as a cornerstone to build a real company. So, you know, whether we have a strategic investor who wants the offtake or how it evolves over time, this asset by itself is a mine, is a mine builder, or sorry, company builder. We're looking at 21 years of free cash flow, roughly 250 million US, very steady state operation at very conservative long-term iron ore prices relative to today's market. So as I said, this could be a cornerstone for what could be a very uh, attractive opportunity for us or someone else. So it, it could play either way, but that's why we're very comfortable saying this is a company builder and we'll bring it all the way through to production and operation that's the way the uh, the market beholds. Right. Okay. I guess it, you know the question is always this: you know, if you if you do stay in production, you know, what do you do with the cash? Um, yeah. You know, how do you make a dollar worth more than a dollar? I guess you got to invest it. But um, coming back to today's today's problem, so I think you know I've, I've been you know mentioned a few times, but that's the big thing. It's you know, what would you say to either your shareholders because there's not a lot of liquidity at the moment yeah. your existing shareholders who are, who are still with you and maybe some of those who have popped back for, for a breather uh, or maybe those looking in for you know good strong iron ore projects in a tier one jurisdiction why why is now the time to get into your story so just on the shareholder base right now we actually have an extremely supportive shareholder base which unfortunately results in the lack of liquidity because they know what we have and they want to they want to see it come to fruition as we do. So looking at this story, it is an extremely good value opportunity to get involved. We continue to get out there and sell the story. And really it's a big edu educational process in the Canadian iron ore space and the junior market space, because it is not something that the retail investor has had to look at. They've looked at copper, they've looked at gold, more so than iron ore. As I said, iron ore has predominantly been a Brazilian, Australian story. Uh, and it just takes a little bit of time and I think as we continue to get that next level of credibility, we'll continue to knock down those goalposts that we see for, for investors. Right. And obviously the PA um, numbers are evident. You, you put them out. Is this project big enough for a major or because obviously with money being tight, you know, cash constraints, yep. are, you've got to be sensible. You can't go off on a massive exploration gig. Is it big enough now? Uh, as you could probably realize, we've, we've talked to a lot of people over the last 18 months. And their biggest issue is to understand the timing. They all love the project. They've never had a negative comment about the project. It's like, when can it be built? Could we really understand the permitting process in Canada? Because these companies are not always Canadian by and large. So there's an education for them to understand the permitting process. And it is a little bit elongated in, in Quebec. It takes about two years to get the permitting process through. So again, they want to see that time horizon. So finish the fees, submit your application. If there's no red flags from the government or the various community groups, that's where I think the excitement kicks in for them because then they have a, a nice uh, sight lines to development to production. As you indicate, a lot of these companies actually have been making tremendous profits for the last couple of years. And I think we're at the cusp of being that that time frame to production, the snack bracket of capital that's required. It's not billions and billions and billions of dollars because of the benefits of the project. So I think we'll be garnering, again, more attention as long as these numbers continue to hold through. As you pointed out, a couple of things that came through, the PEA was obviously very robust, but the other thing we presented just before that as well, was the updated resource, where we now have roughly 600 million tons of indicated resources, not inferred anymore, they're indicated. So the level of confidence in the resource that we can demonstrate 
to third parties is a lot higher than it was called a year ago. Right, but what, what I'm trying to work out is the, does the does the scale match uh, you know tier tier one company expectations because well, they, they they're looking to kind of you know backfill their 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 own um, resource resource what and I would resource, say to that right? is, we, what I would say to that is we presented a proposal we think a junior company could actually fund at five million tons per year of concentrate production could the resource deposit support ten to fifteen million tons uh, very similar to what Champion is today uh, the answer is also yes. Okay. That being said, if I was to come out with a capital requirement for that, it would be a, a much bigger uh, burden for us to, to try to carry. I, I understand that. What I'm trying to work out is who is the, who is the group that comes yeah. comes in with the capital and therefore the size of that audience. As you say, that you need kind of competitive tension, but you also need people with strong balance sheets, right? Um, yeah. Okay, in, in, interesting, interesting times. Okay, well, um, and so what are we looking forward to this year from you? Um, um, obviously, mo moving and funding uh, feasibility studies is a big part of it, but, but what else? That, that's I would say that's the biggest one. Obviously, we've, we've come up with all the, the new news now with the updated resource. The new PEA, which really is focused in line with what the feasibility study will be designing, as opposed to some of the older uh, scenarios that were out there. So that would really focus people on. Over the next, call it uh, six to nine months, obviously, we'll, we'll do continue with the various work programs, whether it's on the environmental side to submit the environmental impact assessment state uh, permit application, which will probably come in Q2 of 23, finish all the engineering work that goes into the feasibility study by the end of Q1 of 23 and get that out to the market. Outside of that, uh, that is our sole focus, to deliver that PEA, sorry, the feasibility study. Obviously, we'll have to finish our funding package as well uh, to give everyone confidence that we're, we're going to do that. And that is something we continue to work on uh, on a daily basis. Right. And, and you'd be, so just in terms of that funding, sorry, and you probably said it, but I missed it, which is what's the amount that you would probably look to kind of put together and, and you would look at, I guess, different ways, different types of financing, or different types of capital in there. So can yeah. you just run, run yeah, through we're, that? We're, the key, as we've said many times, the, the full package of the two-year program to complete the feasibility study was roughly 10 million US. Okay. So we're halfway through that, but as you pointed out, we did raise a venture, and so we, we do have to clean that up in the new funding round that we're gonna do, whether that's it's a combination of equity, project ownership, some other sort of uh, alternative funding vehicles, uh, you can pick your poison, but we're, We've been discussing various scenarios, but our key issue here is not to dilute the company for the current shareholders by just issuing equity on a like a weekly, monthly basis. It's just not, as I said, we have a very supportive shareholder group who have done this before, and it does take some time and takes a little bit of patience. But the the payoff at the end of the day is is well worth the uh, the agony on the on the process. Okay, so we're we're looking what this, this side of Christmas potentially for that. Yes. Okay, fantastic, great. Um, well, look, Cliff, look, thanks for the run through. I'd like to say, new story to us. Um, we'll dig into it a little bit deeper off the back of that conversation. Very interesting indeed. I uh, appreciate your time today. Great. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here.